Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brewaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This is the identity crisis season, so go rollerblading, grab a snack, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Terry Rug, Executive Director at Conestoga Bible Camp. He's a great teacher and has some amazing thoughts on identity, leadership, and living out God's call on your life. So enjoy. Well, Terry, welcome. An honor to have you on the Work Friends podcast. This is kind of weird. If I'm being honest, like, I don't know. I didn't think like five years ago. It's like, you know what, Terry? I think we're going to be sitting in a podcast episode, chatting away, doing Miles this. Apart, right? Sitting yeah. in a room with by myself, just yeah. chatting to a computer screen. So yeah. intimate. Oh, yes. <laughs> so exactly. very intimate. All right. And? Yeah. Anyways, glad you're here. I cut off your preamble. Keep going. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that this is what we can at least do. Yeah. So anyways, for people to get to know you a bit better, I have, I don't know, 10 questions or so. So just answer them. Cool. Okay. Where did you grow up? In a home. Oh my gosh. Sorry, Kitchener. I grew up people in Kitchener. People are really getting to know Terry. I feel like, you know, as much <laughs> as this, whatever, I'm like, this is, this is the real get to know Terry. The questions are like the. Well, like someone might have said, I grew up in a car or I grew up in the mountains. That is true. Yeah. That I grew is up true. in Kitchener. Cool. Um, how did you meet your wife, Julia? Ooh, we met at camp. Uh, she came up to visit um, her friends at camp and uh, they were busy. So she was, yeah, she came up to see a guy and he was busy. He was preparing for stuff the next day. And I'm like, hey, I don't know you. And uh, yeah, so that's how we met. I just swooped in. No, no, no. I didn't oh. swoop. There was no swooping. I had no cape. Um, it, like, it wasn't like I was like Batman and I dropped out of the tree and I'm like, whoa, tell your friends about me. Um, it was more like, uh, you know, it's at camp and there's somebody you don't really know. So you're like, hey, who are you and why are you here? And oh, well, do you want to go for a walk or play volleyball with the rest of us kind of thing? But and the rest it wasn't like history. love at first sight. It probably was, but who knows? It was it was five years before we dated. And then it was like five months before we were married, right? So, so it goes. So it goes. Um, if you had a free day, what would you do? If I had a free day, just yeah. to myself, all by myself? Yeah. Um, I would probably get a bag of chips and some chocolate milk and watch a movie that my family doesn't want to watch, have a nap, and then play a board game or something like that, and maybe read a book. But I wouldn't read something like that's going to educate me. I want something that's going to entertain me. Nice. Yeah. Appreciate the chips and chocolate milk. That's actually a good combo. Another good combo. Please don't judge. Uh, I know what it is already. And dill pickles. I don't know what it is. Just good. Gross. My stomach hurts thinking about that. (laughs) Have you tried it? Have you tried it? Don't judge until you. I I didn't even listen. As soon as you said dill pickles, I forgot the whole thing. I love dill pickles. Dill pickles are my favorite food. But Jen likes dill pickles and milk. I don't mix them together. Do you dip them? You dip the dill pickles in the milk and you're like, oh, and you swirl it around. Saying you don't mix them together, there's still a bad combo. 
Don't judge until you've tried. That's all I got to say. Okay. How many kids do you have? Two. Favorite beverage? Favorite beverage? So I really like like grapefruit juice with like gin. Mm. When we are able to travel, where do you want to go to next? Walmart. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Like someplace exotic, didn't you? No, Probably, I like I would love to say Vancouver or Greece or Scotland, but cha-ching, like I don't have that kind of dough. So like Walmart. Walmart, next best thing. Like, you know, the coffee shop in Listowel or the bakery in Hawksville. Like, yeah, let me just go and shoot for there. the stars, Terry. Man. I know, all the way to Listowel. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Um, what is your favorite book? So it's, I, I really love the Hobbit. Mm. I also really love the summer tree, which is a collection of like three novels by Guy Gavriel K. Um, my imaginary Jesus by Matt Michelatos, or I don't know how to say his name. So I made mm -hmm. that up. Leadership is an art by Max Dupree. Like you said one and I've listed off six already. No, this is good. And then, um, Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. Like I would, I would go back to those books and reread them anytime. Mm -hmm. What gets you up in the morning? Julia. She wakes up at six o'clock. It's like an alarm. Like it's just crazy. <laughs> no, you and you see, and you were thinking, oh, it's love that gets him up in the morning. He just loves his wife, and he can't wait to wake up and see her. And that's partly true. But mostly it's just like time to get up. Good answer. Deep. Good answer. <laughs> if you weren't working at Conestoga Bible Camp, what would you be doing? I don't know. I might still be in the accounting office, although they may have run me off by now. Um, <laughs> I could probably, I would love to be, uh, I love being a camp director. Um, I could also see myself as an executive church director, like setting vision working with staff and development and helping to keep ministries, you know, current and focused and driving forward. Um, yeah. Maybe one of those things. I could see you doing a lot of those things. I feel like you're kind of multi-talented and I would say you're you passionate. You're passionate. Like you, you're not a like, yeah, I'll try this. You're like, no, if we're going to do this, we are going to do it 150%. So yeah. Jump in the deep end and then figure out how to swim. Uh -huh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So thank you for telling so, us a little bit about yourself. I, yes. I appreciate that. I feel like we, we learned more about you as a personality with the facts. So that's good. That's good. Um, fun fact. You're first, you're the first person we've recorded for this new season on identity. So we're very excited about that. And you were I think maybe one of the first people we had because we're like, Terry is smart and he has a really good story about this. So we're going to be talking about identity. And as Christians, you know, people like us who have been to youth group talks and camp talks and things like that, identity is a really big conversation that comes up. Why do you think that identity, particularly being adopted into God's family and identity in Christ, why do you think that this conversation is important? Yeah, I... I, I know I really wrestle with this because I don't know that it is important. Um, I think from like, I would look at it and go, man, as a North American, as a Canadian identity is so key. And I think part of it is because as Canadians, we don't really know who we are. Mm -hmm. 
And so I wonder if it's, if it's leaked from our Canadian culture into our church culture in Canada, um, because Canadians, you ask them who they are and they're like, well, we're not Americans and, and we're not British or Australians, but we're kind of like the Aussies. And, and you know, like we, we don't know how to define ourselves. And so I wonder if that has crept into our church and our youth groups. And that's why we talk about it so much is because I, I look at, especially our youth and our young adults, but even my generation, my parents' generation, we just kind of go with the flow. We're like this group over here. And then I'm kind of bored of that. So I'm going to be like this group over here. And we claim to be individuals, but we're really, you know, like I look like just all the other preppy kids or metal heads or goth kids or emo. Like I just, but I'm so myself. And it's like, no, like, okay, I guess you are. I think we wrestle with identity because we just don't know what it means to be in Christ. Um, for you personally, how have you wrestled with identity through the seasons? Because you are a middle-aged dude. You are a husband, a dad, a leader. You've lived white. in different countries. You're white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah even like you were an, an accountant and now you're a camp or an executive camp director, right? Um, kind of a big shift. <laughs> so, for you, how have you wrestled with identity through different seasons that you've been in? So it's really tough. Um, and I know you can probably relate to this and maybe your listeners can too, that you come through um, high school and everybody is like, so what are you going to do? Right. Right. What, like, what are you going to do? It's grade 11. Where are you going to go? Grade 12. Like, what do you, you going to university? You, who are you going to be? And uh, I never knew uh, my buddies and I like, Back when I went to school, we had five years of high school and we were planning on doing a sixth year. Right. And because who, who knows what you're going to do. And I didn't really want to go to university, but I didn't know what else to do. There was one thing I knew. And, and that was when I was 17, I felt a really strong call from God, a really strong definition that I was to feed his sheep, that I was, was called to care for God's Christian's because they don't know how to care for themselves. We don't, there wasn't a whole lot of love in the church. And I think we would still say that today that we don't have genuine love for each other. We, we've shifted from, from maybe from legalism to acceptance, like just love everybody and God is love. So we need to love everybody. And you're like, yeah, but, but look what they're doing to themselves. Like we've, we skipped from like legalism, black and white, do this, do that to like everything you do is great. And that's not always true. There's no tough love in it. Mm. So uh, I, I feel like that's my call is to be honest and sincere with people. And uh, so then I was like, okay, well, that means I have to be a pastor. And that didn't happen. And I went for advice from people that were like leaders in my life. And I'm like, I want to be a pastor. And they're like, wow, that's a really bad decision. You should go to university. And I'm like, but I want a pastor. I should go to Bible college no 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 you should go to university so i went to university because church is educated and people are educating you got to get educated and i'm like so okay i got educated um a lot of good it did me and then i came out and i'm like okay now i'm ready to be a pastor and like no you have no experience so i'm like okay so I, i i worked in a church in mississauga and oh julia was doing like reception and inside sales at a company order entry and I worked in a pharmacy and then I worked in a church and I was finishing my degree and I'm like, I'm ready to be a pastor. And like, yeah, we don't have anything for you. So we spent a year and a half in Japan and we taught English 
And then we came back and everyone's like, oh, you should be an English teacher. And I'm like, no, I, I don't have a teacher's degree. I want to be a pastor. Okay. So then I ended up working in, in one year, Julie and I went through like 14 jobs, like crap jobs, right? Like I was pumping gas and I was working in retail and I was in a mall and I was in a factory and I was in a warehouse and I was in, and you're just trying to find yourself and you're like, who, who am I? Like, I have this clear call on my life but I don't seem to fit anywhere. And we were superintendents in a building. Like we've done a lot. I worked at the dump. That was pretty cool. I spent uh, four weeks on a contract at a dump. I spent three days in a factory laminating wood. And the guy came to me and said, you're too smart for this. You need to leave. You keep trying to fix the process and this is our process. So either do your job or get out. And I'm like, thank you for firing me. That was great. And life <laughs> just takes you where it goes. And everyone's like, you go A and B and C. And finally I came back and I said, Hey, I have all this experience. I'm ready to pastor. And they're like, you don't have any Bible college. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Insert oh. swear word here. And then just keep swearing for like five minutes. And then you feel better. You know, you don't get anywhere, but you're like, Oh, well I vented my spleen and now I feel so much emptier. <laughs> um, then I have to go and ask for forgiveness from all these people and God. And it's like, oh my goodness. So life takes you in different places. And I found that I was always pursuing that call as if that was the goal. And I got to a point in my life where God just put me on the sidelines. Literally, you need to be on the sidelines. Just sit. And I asked people to pray for me and they came back to me and they had this beautiful word from God. They're like, God wants you to sit in the waiting room. If you've ever been in a waiting room at a doctor's office or in a hospital, someone's going through surgery and you're waiting, it's the worst, absolute worst. Uh, Melissa was in the hospital and she'd go in for surgery and it'd be two hours. They'll be, we'll see you in two hours. And at four hours, you're kind of going nuts because it was only supposed to take two. And they come out and they say, yeah, we'll probably be another hour, which means there'll be two or three. And you're just waiting and you never get the results you're looking for until at that last minute where you give up hope and then they come out and like, yeah, everything was great. It was fun. We had a great time. We stitched everything up and just good to go. And we'll see you tomorrow. And, and you're just left kind of numb, but waiting is so important and waiting on God. And, and I found that when I stopped waiting, uh, I realized that I was living out my call the whole time. And, uh, and I had, so again, we pursue identity so hard. We talk about it all the time. Be this, be that, be this. And God is just saying, be you. Just stop being a human doing and be a human being and be you and let me use you. And it's. That's the one thing that you've walked with me really well. Like that, like after high school, it's hard. Oh yeah. my gosh. And you're the only person, I mean, my parents were pretty good too, but like, you're the only person saying to me, like, Jen, your life does not have to look ABC. Like nobody's life typically does. Have you seen the, the movie Onward? It's a Disney movie and uh, it's this quest movie. They're elves, but they're like blue or something. Anyways, I've never seen a blue elf. But anyways, the one guy, his, his name is Barley and the mom is cleaning up his junk and she walks away from the door and she's like longest gap year ever is just this comment she makes under her breath. And Julie and I laugh so hard because he's probably in like year three or four, but like you went through 
the first year of gap year and everyone's like, great. Now what are you going to do? And you're like, I'm going to take another gap year. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And people are like, can you, can you do that? Like, does <laughs> yes, you can. Just, yeah, I know. Right. But yeah. life doesn't just stop. So one yeah. thing is like, live, live to the tune that God has set in your life. It's, it's, it's your music. And, uh, he, he has a, a special way of putting your life. And it's so often we just want to live someone else's. I wrestle so deeply with imposter syndrome. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but it's basically, you have this fear that someday, like today, I'm going to wake up and they're all going to figure out I'm not who I am because I don't know who I am. And if I don't know who I am, they're going to figure out I don't know who I am and I'm wrecked. So you, you end up in a, in a job and you do what you do and you get really good at it, but you're like, I, I think I could do better. And someday they're going to realize I don't know what I'm doing. And I, or, um, or in leadership, especially in leadership, you're going to find that like, you, you just like, I don't know. I've never dealt with this. We are stuck in a, like, there's nobody alive right now who lived through the last pandemic. Nobody knows how to lead through a pandemic. None of us. And yet we're all trying to lead with confidence and hope and excitement and, and terrified that we're going to wake up and they realize, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and the answer is yes, you don't. And yet uh, how reassuring, like in the last, if for me, it's like even the last couple of years, and I'm, I'm pushing 50. I don't know how that happened. I thought I would die a long time ago, but I'm pushing 50 and I'm just realizing in the last couple of years that I, sometimes I actually know what I'm doing and I don't know it until I'm doing it because it's, it's been hardwired and the experiences and the learning and all the books and, and the friends and the people like you that are pouring into my life and I'm learning from you guys. And it's like, oh, I know how to deal with this. And that imposter syndrome is such a lie from Satan. It's such a lie from our inside, our old self. But we say we were born this way. And it's like, yeah, but, but the Bible tells us we were born in sin. Sin. We, we aren't made perfect until we're in Christ. And so if I want to go back to who I was, I'm just going back to my old self, which is sinful, which is apart from God, which is apart from Jesus. And then I'm just, what, running on my own? when God wants to make me perfect and like Jesus and make me and fill me with his power, his Holy spirit, and give me the answers that I need when I need them, not ahead of time and speak the words I need to speak when I need to speak them and not ahead of time. I just love that. Thanks for saying that Terry. Cause I don't often think that that's, that's what we often hear. Like I think especially too, Ainsley and I are in our twenties. Right. And so to hear somebody almost pushing 50, wrestling with these things it's not a new thing it just looks different in different seasons so thanks for that encouragement I don't know I'm just sitting here and being like Jen it's okay <laughs> it's okay not to have your crap all together yeah it's um, really okay and you're gonna be all right that's yeah. what they don't tell you either so you're gonna be all right mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And you, you, you touched on so many things that, you know, when Jen and I first started talking about identity, like we wrote down some of those words that you said. And yeah, it's, it's a big conversation. And um, I know you recently, did you finish Arrow or are you still doing it? Yes, finally finished Arrow. What a journey oh, that, that has yes. been. Yes, that's, um, that's exciting. So I started Arrow in like November, October of 2018. And then it's wow. like an 18 month process. So you read and then you 
they, they give you this massive list of books. Arrow was fantastic. Um, and these books you read, you're like, you get together and you're like, I don't like this book. And 10 people are like, I loved it. It changed my life. And you're like, oh, well, maybe I should give it another read because uh, I thought it was crap, but okay, I'll give it a chance. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and those books like stick around. And, uh, and I've gone back to a couple of them a few times. The one I have never gone back to, I'm like, no, but there's a couple others that are really excellent. Like change your, change your question, change your life. Really good book. Mm. The first time I read it, I'm like, nope, not. -uh. And then the second, and everyone was like, oh, it's just so life-changing. And I'm like, shoot, I better reread it. I must've just, I want to say like, if we're talking about identity, one of the things we did at Arrow and one of the things you can do personally is, is do some personal assessments. If you really want to figure out part of how you are, learn what your weaknesses, where you go in your stress, what your shadow side is, um, what your strengths are, do some assessments. So we did some assessments there that were really excellent. And then we did a deep dive personally, where we went through and we looked through our lives and we looked for moments where uh, significant moments in our lives and did God speak to us or were they painful events and how did they change us? And, and we were, we were trained kind of how to do that with people. So if you have a friend that's done arrow recently, or even myself, we can sit down and go through this deep dive, kind of look back on your life and see where did God show up and what were the words or the key things that he was doing in your life? There's labels that we put on ourselves and tend to be really negative, right? So I'm an, I'm an oldest child. I'm a youngest child. If I say those things, you kind of preconceive what those people are going to be like. And, and that's because it's very typical in those oldest child or youngest child or only child or middle child type of personalities. Um, so, but if you can name that and what you take from that, so you're, you are princess or you are Cinderella in your home, right? Like you get that title that God, that your parents or your siblings give you, like I was the boss. And it's funny because everyone calls me boss now. Um, but my, my brothers and sisters call me boss. And, and I was the one who like set the rules and set direction and gave everyone. And, and I'm an Enneagram eight. I'm just figuring out what that is, but I had a word come to me in that process was the word rebel. And it came to me and I didn't realize this. I had been told it when I was early married, I've been told it again, um, in my thirties. And I had been accused of being a rebel in my forties. But when I started to do a deep dive, there was a science teacher in grade seven and he constantly called me a rebel and accused me of it. And then there was again in grade 10 where it came up. And again, as a young adult uh, at 18 or 19, where I was acute, it was always as an accusation. And if someone there at Arrow said, oh, I, I study the Enneagram and an eight with a seven wing is sometimes labeled a rebel. And I'm like, and it was really positive. It was like someone who pushes against the norm uh, to create something new, even though it creates confrontation and, and can, and I'm like, you mean I can redeem this word for myself, mm. right? Mm -hmm. You can redeem these words. Like my friends and I in, um, in high school, we decided to redeem the word hammered because hammered meant you'd been plastered all weekend, right? I got hammered last night. And they were like, no, let's, let's reclaim, let's redeem this word for God. We're going to hammer through this. Like, man, that youth group event was hammered and, um, and it, it didn't work, but you can <laughs> reclaim some of these words, redeem them for mm -hmm. God. 
I, so I'm in the process over the last two years of trying to redeem the word rebel that has been spoken into my life over and over again and say, what does it really mean to be a rebel? What does it mean to be, and, and finding synonyms for that, a forerunner, a pathfinder, uh, a way maker, um, a history changer, right? And we have that song Waymaker that's come out in the recent, and I'm like, that's me. That's Jesus in me. I'm a way maker because of him. And um, so I, I want to encourage people, if you're listening and you're talking about identity and, and you're learning, one, do some assessments, look into the Enneagram, see where you are and redeem those words in your life that you've been uh, accused of. You're a peacemaker. You're a people, you're a people pleaser. Okay. But blessed are the peacemakers. So maybe I'm a peacemaker, not just a people pleaser. Um, mm. and, and redeem those words and bring them back to yourself. Mm -hmm. What other assessments would you recommend for people to dive into? If they want something like you can go on Enneagram Institute online.com thing.org and, and figure out some of those self-assessments. Um, we are doing luminous spark here at camp with Timothy training. Uh, and it is based on a lot of the same studies that come out of the Berkman assessment. The Berkman assessment though, was like a thousand dollar test, um, like a $1,500 test assessment where you sit down with, with, um, a therapist and they talk through some of the stuff in there and it's really good, but some of the cheaper, uh, more affordable ways to do this, the disc assessment, uh, a lot of people have done disc, um, Patrick Lencioni came out with one called working genius great mm -hmm. uh, assessment for teams, a great way to look at like, do a, I'm stuck in a job where I have to have wonder all the time and I have no inventive creative person in me, or I'm always stuck with tasks and, and I'm not a task person. <laughs> and so like, how do we um, find our fit within an organization? That's a really good one. Uh, there's a book by Malfers and it's really good. And darned if I can remember what it's called. It's basically Christian leadership. And in it, he's got four or five different assessments that we've gone through with some of our, our leadership teams here at camp where we talk about, hey, what are your spiritual gifts? Uh, what is your communication style? What is it? How do, you, um, how do you see yourself in these different aspects of life, like in leadership positions or even just spiritual gifting or personal gifting, understanding that there's so many different layers to who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Every, everything goes into it. Uh, you're like, well, my spiritual gift is leadership, but I love math. So I can't use math when I lead. Well, that's maybe your, your spiritual leadership gift supports your true talent as a math person. So I just look at those different things. Be brutally honest with yourself too, right? Like you're like, oh, do I have the gift of evangelism? Like, well, I think it's really important people know about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, but are you the person who's going to walk across the street and talk to a stranger because it just burns in your gut that they don't know Jesus? Mm. I can honestly, like, if it's a skill of one to five, I'm a one. Like, <laughs> I'm not walking across the street to talk to a total stranger. I, I believe they need to know Jesus. And that's not, so I have to be brutally honest with myself and say, no, I'm a one on this, not a five on my scale where so many people are like, well, but that doesn't feel good. So they put a three. Mm. And you're like, if you're, if you're not honest with yourself, you're not going to get anything out of those assessments. 
Like be mm-hmm. brutally honest, always swing to a one, like go to your extremes, shock the pants off yourself because um, you, you're so extreme, but actually learn something about yourself. Mm, that's good. And that also makes you a better leader too. That self-awareness yeah. piece is so key. Um, switching gears a little bit, our culture today, and this isn't a new thing, but it screams independence. More times than not, we hear like, live your truth or, you know, be unapologetically you. Enneagram, great tool. But whether it's that or a job or a sexual orientation or education, marital status, behavior, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we look for things to define us. If there is any, what's the fault in this thinking? This is a little window into my soul here. I really wrestle with grace. Um, I'm such a receiver of grace and really wrestle with how much grace I give others. And then I read and Jesus just had grace and it mm. wrecks me. Like so many of these words are, are quote unquote trigger words today, right? Orientation, sexual orientation, leadership, dominance, race, uh, privilege. I don't know. What, it, what do we, where do we go from that? I think so much of this is that we have, have our own cultures and we have our own traditions and we have our own things that we bring to the table. And Jesus wants us to just see Jesus in each other. Yeah. Like some of us are born in different ways and some of us choose to live certain ways. And in, in all of it, we just have to realize that that identity shapes who we are is part of our story and isn't something we need to throw away, but it's part of our story of coming to know Jesus and of seeing Jesus work in our lives and then how do I use my story to share Jesus with other people? So whether I've come from a place where I've wrestled with my sexual identity, or I've come from a place where I've wrestled with an abusive family or a story of, of trauma or um, a life of, of blessing, like that is a different story for each of you and each of us. And how do we use that? And I think that's really important. I have my scars. I mean, like we all have our scars and they shape who we are. And we, some of us, those never set right. And those bones will always be twisted. And yet God uses us for his glory and he can bring healing. And sometimes he leaves, he lets us walk with a limp so that we understand and appreciate those around us better. Going back, well, I mean, sort of going back, but you sort of touched on this. You said, you know, about being in Christ and about being a human being, not a human doing, which is very countercultural to you need a label in order to know yourself. What happens when we don't live in our identity in Christ? Wow, that's a good one. Um, what happens when we don't live in our identity in Christ? <clears throat> Have you tried living outside of your identity in Christ? So here's, here's what I'm thinking, okay? There's two different things that happen. One is we get hurt. So we come together and our identity in Christ is that I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm born again and I'm on fire and I'm doing great stuff. And then what happens is some well-intentioned Christian crushes me and tells me I don't dress the right way or I don't talk the right way or I don't play the part. I don't look like a Christian. And then we get really hurt because I thought I was a Christian, but these Christians aren't have rejected me. And so the one trauma that happens is that Christians crush other Christians and then people walk away from their faith. And so they won't live in their identity in Christ because that hurt. And they may hold to Jesus. It's like Gandhi saying, I love your Jesus, can't stand your Christians, right? Love your Christ, don't want your Christians. Mm. 
and 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 poor Gandhi <laughs> never came to Christ because of the way the Christians lived around him instead of knowing Jesus for Jesus. And he wanted, he liked Jesus a lot, but now I don't think he ever gave his life to Christ. And, and his teachings shaped so many people in our world today and so many Christians because of, he was so close to the truth and yet so far away. And I don't want to be the Christian that gets in his way. Also, I think some people won't live in their identity in Christ because they have things they want to hold on to. There's certain things that I really like to do that I don't want to give up to Jesus. And I know he loves me and I know he's redeemed me and I know he saved me, but there's certain things I just, right. And we've heard if I become a Christian, do I have to stop partying? If I become a Christian, do I have to stop insert here? I think the third thing is trauma happens in our life. And so we run away, we have doubt and we don't know how to deal with the hurt. And there's usually there's shame with that doubt. And so to really give that to Jesus means I have to identify that I've been hurt. There's shame that's still a the companies it, or it doesn't make sense. And I can't reason it through. And so I run from my identity in Christ because of that doubt. Uh, for example, why did a loved one die? Or why was I, why was I hit in this situation? Um, right. And so Lecrae talks about that in his new book where he, he's coming back to his faith. And he's like, I had all this trauma in my life and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I talked the, the talk and I knew how to play the game, but it never it never changed his life. And so, you know, fame hits and then he just wants to fit in with everybody else. So, you know, you start drinking and then you have this pain that surfaces. So you drink more or you do something more and you run from those things. And I think that really, that, that pain and trauma can really drive us out of our identity. I, I've wrestled with seasons of doubt and I've wrestled with seasons of hurt and, and bitterness in my life. Um, deep, deep hurt and bitterness from the church um seasons of deep doubt god were you ever like are you there and yet i can never ever not see myself without god in my life like even on those darkest days the person on the other side of the mirror that i was yelling at wasn't myself it was it was him it was god it was jesus when i went out for a walk in the forest and just yelled at the trees i was yelling at god when i was um, driving in my car and just letting my windshield take the brunt of all my verbal abuse. Um, it was really aimed at God. And, and on the days when I was coming to self-discovery, the, the, the person on the other side of that conversation was God. And, and the days when the random song, there was a stupid song, um, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my sickness. I'm laying them down. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Blah, 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 blah. And, and it was like such a, like, I hated this song. I'm like, this is such a fluff song. And I heard it one day and it just broke through. Like, am I really going to trade my sorrows and shame for the joy of the Lord? Mm. And it was, it wasn't the singer. It wasn't the music. It wasn't like my own pet peeve of cheesy music got out of the way. And just like, it was God saying, are you willing to lay this down? Do you really see yourself in me? And has your full identity in me? And, and because I had continued to hold on and wrestle and fight with God the whole time, uh, I was able to hear his voice. And so I would encourage people, like, if you're in those seasons of doubt, you're in those seasons of bitterness and pain, you've been hurt, uh, you're going through trauma, uh, you, you can't find those answers to the why questions, be like Jacob and wrestle with God wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. And you may walk away with a limp. 
<laughs> where, where Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his days, but he wrestled with God for a night. Yeah, it hurt, but he walks away from it with a new name. You'll be Israel and you'll be my people and, and I'll be your God. You don't have to be Jacob, the deceiver, Jacob, the liar anymore, trying to deceive yourself or others. You can walk away from that as the chosen children of God, child of God. You will bear my name. And uh, it's really important. And that's where identity comes from. You work with a lot of different people, um, but specifically teenagers, like 95% of your staff are in high school. What are the core principles you are intentional in teaching, encouraging, challenging your staff as you guide them um, to be better followers of Jesus? Wow, that's a big question. Um, The core principles I would take to them is um, one, you're made in God's image. He loves you. Two, we're all sinful and have fallen short of the glory of God. Three, Jesus died for you. He came not to condemn, but to bring life. And, and so we, it's not about shame and it's not about, it's not about justice. We've, we've all fallen short and are under wrath, deserve justice. So he came to bring life. And then it is for life you've been set free. So we've been set free. That's his Galatians now. If you believe and he gives you life and you've been set free from your past and set free to your future, both from and to. Mm -hmm. And so there's good works, Ephesians 2. There's good works God's already prepared for you to do. Let's go do it. And then the last thing is have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know that's in the Bible, but God likes to party. He institutes it for ancient Israel. Mm -hmm. Jesus was always going to parties with people. He loved to just be with people. And I think um, part of that idea is that when we come together for communion, it's not supposed to be this dry event on a Sunday morning. It's to like, when you do this, remember me, when you gather two or three of you and do this, eat food, drink wine, remember me. Hey, you know, like there's a hundred of us in a room. Like we hire a hundred people every summer. And statistically, I know. Uh, we can we can pull up stats, whether they're secular or Christian or whatever it is. And so we know, bam, there's any number of you in this room have, have suffered trauma, have suffered abuse, are wrestling with same-sex attraction, are dealing with self-harm. I can go on and on. Some of you have felt neglected. Some of you have had abusive words. Some of you have had uh, inappropriate touch. Some of you have suffered through rejection and bullying and the hurt and the trauma and all that stuff that comes with it. And then you read through Genesis and you're like, God set it all up in the first book of the Bible. There's trauma and rape and, and abuse and neglect and uh, not loved by your parents and feeling unloved by friends and sold into slavery by your brothers. Like, holy crap. Like there's a lot that happens like in the, in that first 50 chapters of the Bible that really sound like today's society. And so it's not the first time someone's gone through this and it's all part of God's redemption plan. He cares for you and has a plan and we don't see it today, but you are part of his plan. So let's work together as a family and be part of this plan together. He's got good works. Let's go do them. And and that's being in the moment. He's already prepared the stuff for us to do. We just have to be in the moment and let him do that. And if, if we don't see God working in our lives, we'll look for where he's working and go join him. Like I'm here. I don't know what to do, but I'm here. I'm, I'm being available. And he's like, oh, cool. This is why this happened in your life. I need you right here in this moment. So you can sit down with this 
this young boy or this young girl that's going through the same crap and is cutting themselves because you've had to deal with your own cutting. Uh, who's wrestling with suicidal thoughts because you've wrestled with your suicidal. Yeah. Our stories are so cool. If we're so stuck on trying to be someone else, we're going to miss out on our, on this cool story that God's writing in our own book. Right. Mm. And uh, if you can just enjoy that and see it, man, it makes a difference in the world. Yeah. Thank you for touching. I think specifically like the whole hurts piece, because it can be easy to talk about identity in a really fluffy sort of shallow way of like, just do it, just be a Christ. But that doesn't address the actual things that actually hurt us that we, we wrestle with and you have to deal with. And that's a good thing is that identity in Christ means that you get to have a newness to all of that, but it's, it's not shallow and it's not fluffy and it's not easy, but you're right. It's so exciting how much better the world and how much better you can be for it. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to just this whole conversation about identity? So just reflecting on a few of the things you've asked and, and some of the things we've talked about, like learning a new job is exciting because you're learning, right? And so if God's calling you to something new, just ex- get excited about it. Uh, I, I love the adventure of life. And I think one of the things that for me, I'm struggling with through COVID is that so much of that adventure has just been crushed, right? There's so little opportunity to explore or, and for me, it's people. Every person is a a new adventure and I've been cut off from people. If, If that's you and you're like, you're an extrovert and you're like, I just feel like my arms have been chopped off or, you know, because I can't fully functional as, as a human being right now, you're not alone. Like I'm really wrestling with this because like Jesus touches the unlovely. Jesus touches the sick. He sees the prostitute. He sees the woman caught in adultery and he just loves her. He's like, I don't judge you. Let's, let's get you a coat and let's like, don't do this again. It's just hurting you and it hurts my heart. Don't do this again. I'm not going to condemn you, but stop, stop, please stop. And it's like, I think we need to touch people. I think we need to have that contact. I'm an extrovert. I'm going to be a big proponent of that. Um, So if you got to do it with a mask and a glove on, then do that. I think if you're going into a new career or a new phase or a new shift in life and it's scary, yeah, it is scary. It's scary, exciting. I think if you can live life and not be afraid of your mistakes, you're going to make mistakes and you have to make mistakes. It's how we learn, right? Like you, you don't just pick up a piano and play it. I always say you don't pick up a piano at all. <laughs> but you know, you don't pick up a guitar and just play it. Um, you got to try. You just got to make your mistakes and learn from them and laugh at them and keep going. And uh, I don't know what else. Identity. Try stuff. Don't be afraid of trying new stuff and new jobs. And if God has put a call on your life and you're like, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be, I'm going to run a grocery store or I am going to sell cars because I love cars, then do that. That's so cool. God doesn't have a hierarchy of jobs. He uses everyone. He uses shepherds. He uses people who clean out pig pens. He uses potters and he uses priests and leaders uh, Nehemiah, who is this fantastic leader in the Bible, is a cupbearer. He's a butler. He comes to the king and king is like, what's going on in your life? And he spent years just watching the king and everything that happens around him. And he's learned how to lead, but he's never had that opportunity. And when he leads, man, he, 
he hits a home run. You're not going to hit a home run every time, but just be a cupbearer. Like who knows when God has the time. Moses was 80. He was 40 and preparing to lead the people and try to do it his own way. And then he takes off and he hides in the desert for 40 years and God sends him back. He's like, man, I picked up a stutter. I've talked to sheep for 40 years. I don't know how to lead people. And I smell like poop and they're not going to like me. And, and then God sends him to his own pandemic. He's like, Oh, tell Pharaoh, I'm going to send frogs. And he's like, you just sent frogs. Really? Okay. He's going to send frogs. And suddenly there's frogs there. It's like Moses, like there's frogs everywhere. What the heck? Um, so I think you just got to be in the moment and see what God throws your way and, and just be you. He needs all those people. And we're going to throw, we actually tweaked, we tweaked our favorite question, which is what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given. We've tweaked it a little bit for you. And that's what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, poop. <laughs> um, um, find a mentor. I, I didn't have people in my life that um, spoke into my life. I always felt second fiddle. I always felt like, I, or maybe third, like <laughs> third violin. Like, who is that? I don't know. Um, and I always felt like that, that there was this giant concert going on and I thought I was supposed to be there, but I really didn't see my role. Um, and I can count probably on one hand in the first and I mean like first 20, like from when I was like 15 to 35, maybe on one hand, the number of people that spoke into my life and tried to lead me. And that's a, that's a tragedy that I look back on in my own life that drives who I am today. And I encourage you constantly to find someone, right? Find your own mentors, find someone who's doing something you want to do, even if it's for a season and learn from them. Find someone who is, you want to be an engineer, go, go spend, take an engineer out for lunch and say, what is it that you do that makes engineering so fun? I wish people had encouraged me to do that. I wish there was more people that had spoken into my life than those four or five people that, and there was other people speaking into my life, I'm sure, but none of them were very intentional about saying, you need to hear this. And so I would say, find more people that want to speak into your life. So mm. that would be the advice I would give my younger self. Do you want a and chance to share your favorite advice? We took your opportunity. No, it's okay. It's not that good. <laughs> oh. It'd be like, you know, never eat yellow snow or uh, <laughs> good don't advice. spit into the wind. They're really good advice. I know. And it's things that like when you see yellow snow and you're like, I'm not going to eat that. And and it's one of those things that was there, but it's not like that life shaking, like never wrestle with pigs. That's one of those ones that is, is like one of those other things that has really structured my life, um, right? Because you, they like it and you both smell like poop. And then inspirational. it is, I know. And you just hold on to it. And you're like, this is going to shape who I am. You see yellow snow. You're like, don't eat that. Like, it just makes sense. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us we love you thank you so much for the way that you invest in people specifically young people and how you're pastoring in a non-pastor role <laughs> you're not pastor terry at cbc but like you pastor people so thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story for your wisdom yeah we love you yeah and, and thank you too because like 
I love just watching you guys be you. You're so unique in the way you go about things. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you will not want to miss. So make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using and you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Just Work Friends. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to give it a review so we can see what you guys are enjoying. Bye-bye. Peace out. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy when it's over. Enjoy your week. <laughs>